Oh, the inspirational quote for this week is, the greatest threat to our planet is the belief that someone else will save it. Uh, okay. Oh, is that Oh, is that on time.is? Yes, so if you scroll down oh. past all of the cities, there's a purple banner, and it has a daily uh-huh. quote. Oh, okay, yeah. Thanks, Robert Swan. I learned Robbie. that from Lulav. <laughs> that's, uh, I, I mean, that's a new segment for the show, I guess. <laughs> I was actually going to propose a new segment where we, um, where we state definitively whether this is a, um, would sound or a would not sound. Okay. Um, Explain. Would we watch it again with sound or not? Okay. But the intention is to make it sound like would we stick something up its urethra? <laughs> that is that was my question. Yes. Uh, I I found some a review that's just for you. It can it'll go in the edit, obviously, but mm-hmm. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. It. It, is it a review that complains about how they changed the actual historical narrative of Wild Bill Hickok's death for no, no that fucking is like reason? Ninety-five percent of the reviews, and then uh, the other five percent are like, "This is so accurate." Okay, so do you have any random bullshit you want to talk about before um, we get started? I don't think so. This was a. Um, a rough one on the old face blindness uh, for me. Yeah, the whole, like, the whole was, movie was the same guy. It was the same guy, but at different times in his life. Yeah, and everyone around him was also him. Yeah, and also um, at the same time, it was full of recognizable actors, at least to me. I I could recognize uh, John Hurt and Jeff Bridges, although it took me uh, a good 25 minutes to figure out which one was Jeff Bridges. Uh, what about David Arquette? I don't know who that is. Now, that just might be a function of me knowing possibly too much about wrestling, because okay. David Arquette is an actor. An He's actor? known for the Scream movies. Okay. Um, he's known for being from a family of actors. That makes sense. Um, he was in Beverly Hills 90210. Haven't seen it. It's fine. You're not missing anything. I, I didn't um, think so. He was in Cougar Town. Also but, haven't seen it. Yeah. He was married to Courtney Cox from Friends. Monica from Friends. Okay. Also never seen it. <laughs> That's okay because Friends is very bad. Now, yeah, here's the, here's the important like... thing about David Arquette, though. Yeah. Um. So he was in a movie called Ready to Rumble, which was about professional wrestling. Okay. And to promote it, WCW thought it would be a great idea for him to actually wrestle on their televised wrestling program. And win the World Heavyweight Championship. Hmm. Uh-huh. I see. So, David Arquette, a man with no wrestling knowledge, is the WCW champion. Like you do. Like you do. Like you do. Um, and shortly thereafter, WCW gets bought out and folded into WWE. <laughs> because... <laughs> so he- 
Is it, was it his fault? No. Okay. I mean, like, no, insofar as it was very, very, very specifically Eric Bischoff's fault. Okay. Because Eric Bischoff is the one who booked it. It was Fair. his idea. It was his company circling the drain. It was his management decisions that ultimately killed WCW. But David Arquette as world heavyweight champion is most certainly a marker of the decline of WCW in its very final days. Now, here's where it gets fucking crazy. Okay. It's 18 years later. David Arquette decides to start wrestling a little bit more again. And in fact, decides to prove to the wrestling world that he's not just a comic relief wrestler and that he's got some fundamentals, and he's got some chops, and he's willing to put his body on the line. Okay. So, he decides to wrestle a deathmatch. Okay. Uh, Deathmatch wrestling is when there are no prohibitions against any sort of outside weapon. It's the kind of wrestling Mm. where uh, you inhale way, way, way too many fumes from broken from broken fluorescent light tubes. <laughs> David Arquette wrestles Nick fucking Gage, the, the member of the Murder watched... Death Kill Gang. Oh my god. Uh King of the Motherfucking Deathmatch actually did time for robbing a bank, Nick fucking Gage, a man who <laughs> Bleeds professionally. All right, and 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 uh, tell me the outcome of this. So the match was called mid-match because David Arquette suffered a severe cut to his neck that caused him to bleed profusely and oh. almost die. <laughs> was, okay. All right. There was a because before the match. Nick Gage was like, hey, man, if you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and I'm going to go all out, so you had better be ready. You can back out now, and I won't think you're a pussy. (laughs) But if you get in that ring, I will fucking kill you. (laughs) And then he almost did. Holy shit. Uh, Was this pre or post this movie? Very much post this movie. This movie came out in 1995. And this this death match happened in 2018. Holy shit. Um, yeah. He didn't quit wrestling after that, though. Oh, my God. Because he did also show up in AEW. Huh. Um, then he retired as a professional wrestler in 2021. And then in 2023, showed up on a internet comedy... A, a wrestling comedy show. So... Uh, there's a Canadian wrestler. We'll get to the movie in a little bit. There's a Canadian wrestler <laughs> named RJ City uh, from Toronto. RJ has this thing that he does because instead of wrestling nowadays, he's mostly doing like backstage and interview stuff because his presentation style is absolutely one of the funniest things out there in wrestling. He's a very good talker. He's a very good interviewer. And he's got like... He he's very studied in the old masters of that sort of raconteurism that is both queer and Jewish at the same time. Always love that. You know, he studied the old masters like Charles Nelson Riley and stuff like that. Uh, you know, he's very funny. 
So he has a show on the AEW YouTube channel called Hey EW. <laughs> where he does Between Two Ferns style hostile interviews with a bunch of the wrestlers from AEW. Okay. It's very funny. Uh, David Arquette was on that, and that is, is that is as of April 23rd, 2023, his last appearance in professional wrestling. <laughs> I mean, he he was persistent, I guess-ish. He, he has a better Lucha de Apuestas record than most people who've done Lucha de Apuestas. Fair. He is undefeated in Lucha de Apuestas. That, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, those are what's cons- so in Lucha Libre. There's a concept called uh, it, it's basically Lucha de Apuestas is a match with a wager. So wrestlers mm, okay. e- either wager their hair or their mask. Usually, sometimes it's um, career versus career, championship versus career, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, David Arquette had a tag team hair versus hair match. <laughs> In 2019. <laughs> that just sounds so funny. Yes. Uh, it was a hair versus hair match for NWA's New Year's Clash. NWA is the pro wrestling promotion that is owned by Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. It, okay. <laughs> I, I need, I just, I need you and the listeners to understand that wrestling is the weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> I'm getting that, yeah. Uh, And that's why it is so good. (laughs) That is why I love it. It sounds absolutely goddamn ludicrous. Okay, so we're 15 minutes in and we haven't started the show. Let's talk about this shitty movie. Okay, but first... Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kira. I'm Kat. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoilers, they got Wild Bill Hickok's story wrong. Did you name any characters? I I named most I, of the cast. I did, in fact, name most of them because I knew who they were from knowing about the historical event. <clears throat> okay. Like so I knew see... that I knew that Jeff Bridges was Wild Bill. I knew that Elena Barkin was Calamity Jane, and I knew that David Arquette was Jack McCall. Okay. Let's play a game and see if you can match up the names that I gave them with the the real humans. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so first of all, we've got Dweebus Badhair and his cool sister. They're definitely fucking for some reason. Dweebus Badhair is Jack McCall as played by David Arquette because I wrote in my <laughs> notes that he looks like early 2000s Tim Heidecker and I don't get it. <laughs> it was certainly a choice. Um... <clears throat> 
Next character, uh, which covers like the majority of the cast, really is uh, mustache long hair. Brought to you by Jeff. <laughs> yeah, mustache long hair. Brought to you by Jeff is is just Wild Bill, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got Lady parentheses one of the boys. That's Calamity Jane. Uh, known and recognized Dyke Calamity Jane. All right, and, and then we've got Lady parentheses the kind for fucking. Um, that's like Christina Applegate's character. Yeah. Because... Or, like, most of them. Yeah, they, they like to, like, just throw... I couldn't tell half of them apart. <laughs> ...women at these movies and be like, look, we have women. Yeah. <laughs> Wild Bill, we got women. <laughs> uh, the next character is Lady, parentheses, drugs type. There is only one of these. Um, I'm gonna be honest, these are characters I didn't name. Okay, um, uh, and then lastly, there is, a Secret Society of Guys Who Want Main Jeff Dead. That was the, the, the posse that was trying to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Will we? I mean, like, actually, most of the movie up to that point is just, like, a it's series a long of series scenes. of flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it feels as though the movie is trying to be a miniseries. Yeah. And, the, look, and it okay. doesn't give itself enough time to be a miniseries. And the visual language was all sorts of all over the place. Because they started off with a black and white funeral scene. Mm-hmm. And then they moved into a series of color vignettes that are just sort of unconnected events where... Yeah, it's supposed to be telling the story of how he sort of rose to great heights and then fell to sort of destitution, I think, is basically what the... It's not very well communicated because... Yeah. We sort of... We established that, like, certain parts of this movie are in black and white. Yeah, but yeah, it's that, not the, the, consistent as to the like. It's not that the flashbacks are in black and white. It's just random fucking parts of the movie. That's the problem I have. Is that you have to pick. You can't have both the future and the flashbacks be black and white. Yes. So I do have good news for you in that case. Okay. Because critics and audiences agreed with you <laughs> to the tune guess... of a. $29 million loss. <laughs> I guess there was a minor distinction in that the funeral scenes, the future future black and white is regular black and white, and the opium flashback black and white is, like, incredibly blown out, super bright black and white. Yeah, it's, um... But still... We were... Yeah. Y- you did it bad. You did it bad. And, like, a lot of that... A lot of that that you did a bad stems from the fact that you took an established American folk tale, something yep. that, um, you know, if you've watched fucking one season of Deadwood, you know exactly how it happens. Uh huh. And you change the ending. Well, like the, it still ends the same way, but you change the how and the why. I wonder, and I wonder why though, because it's, 
at least partly based on a Broadway play instead of the actual historical events. That Broadway play fictionalized the story in such a way that it made Jack McCall, the guy who shoots Wild Bill, be Wild Bill's illegitimate son. So typically when you make a movie based on a Broadway... Uh, a, a Broadway play, um, that's because the play is fictional and it's like an original property. Yep. So I really have to commend the the sort of ingenuity of like, hey, we're going to take a Broadway play that is about historical events and we're going to base our movie on the play. Yeah, you know, um, I think that's very bold. sort of, it's, it, it's something. They took a swing um missed quite badly but um you know you don't get I mean, anywhere look, without taking risks yeah you know it, it's recorded as a k not a backwards k because you're not going down looking that's a box score thing for baseball um when someone strikes out without swinging you write a backwards k in your box score and when someone swings you write a forwards k so like in um Sometimes when you have, like, a really good pitcher, people will hang up K signs in the stadium for how many strikeouts they have recorded over the game. Okay. Oh, that's why that, um, that's why that yes. is that. Okay. That's why I've that been is to that. baseball games, and the, the, that confu- has always confused me. Yes, and the backwards K is for when they strike out looking. The forwards K is for when they strike out swinging. Okay. I feel like I'm learning so much this episode, and not from the movie we watched. (laughs) It's none of it about Wild Bill. There's a little bit you've learned about Wild Bill. Oh, Um, yeah. Like, like, the movie is accurate insofar as he does have glaucoma by the time he's dying, which is why the stage lights are very bright, and he complains about the lights. Okay. When he's on stage with uh, Buffalo Bill Cody. Why, Why was that? Why Why that? Because he retired from being a lawman and a cattle wrestler and whatever else the fuck he was. Um, and he was already sort of a folk hero at the time. Fair. So he goes to Buffalo Bill Cody's Wild West Review, where a bunch of people who've lived out west go back to the east coast and tell very sensationalized stories of what the Wild West is like to a bunch of East Coast liberals who cream their pants about how rugged and manly it is out in the West. So that that's just what this movie was. Yes. Was this movie based on the play that is in the movie? No. <laughs> okay. But yeah, no, like, Buffalo Bill's Wild West review was a very weird thing because it occupied this, like, very American fascination with rugged individualism. Uh-huh. And it put it in a very easily dig- it feels like Buffalo Bill's Wild West review was it's like if Donald Trump started a stage show <laughs> where he talked about defeating the deep state and he had Rudy Giuliani come out and talk about saving New York from itself. And like oh, no. it- <laughs> Oh, no. It's, but also, they did trick shooting with real guns. Holy shit! Do you think at the concession stand they served uh, Buffalo Bill's Wild West Wings? Um, and that's I would where hope. Buffalo Wild Wings came from? 
I'm like reasonably certain Buffalo Wings um, did actually just come from Buffalo, New York in the 60s. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, but also what if? We can't say for certain that it didn't we can. come from uh, Buffalo we, Bills we can, Wild West. But, <laughs> um, we can. I mean, like, very specifically, Buffalo Wings were designed, or were, like, made by, um, so, by the Bellissimo family at Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York, to be served on Saturday morning after it had struck midnight on Friday night so that the Catholics could eat meat again. Okay. Do they have any relation to the Buffalo Bill man and his Wild West Wings? Um, no, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> That's a shame. Did you know that, according to Wikipedia, Buffalo Wings are technically classed as Amer- Italian-American cuisine because they were made by an Italian family in Buffalo? <laughs> <laughs> This is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> we have barely talked about this movie. I'm learning so... This is the most educational episode we've ever done. I mean, like, look. Sometimes we watch a movie that isn't worth actually talking about. And uh, Buffalo also- Bill, starring Jeff Bridges, is one of those movies. There's almost nothing to talk about. Like, the only... The barest hint of plot we get is, like, the last 20 minutes of the movie. The barest hint of plot does come in the last 20 minutes, and it's because the whole movie is a setup for this, like, showdown with what's-his-fuck, David Arquette. Yeah, so... We... We're we're gonna have to do this scene in full, okay? Okay. Um, I'm gonna be honest, though, I did largely check out of the movie at this point, and I was on the other window watching videos of Blendo, the robot made by Jamie Heineman from (laughs) Mythbusters that competed in the second ever Robot Wars and was so good that they had to prevent it from competing in the future by establishing rules that you couldn't just turn a walk upside down and put scrap metal on it. (laughs) amazing um so there's this plot to i think who's to say what really their intention was because who's to say um some guys and david arquette go into the 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 saloon or whatever that wild bill is in and pull guns and just sort of hold them hostage for the night, and then leave? Yeah, it's... It's it's quite the strange movie. What? What? <laughs> what? What? What was that? At first I thought that, like, they were, like, planning to, like, rob a bank or something, and they were keeping him there so that their friends could rob the bank without interference from the lawman or whatever. But then that's not it. They just kind of leave, and then he goes after them and kills them? Yeah. I think. I think, so, like, there's very much an element to this movie of trying to take a folk hero in Wild Bill and, like, give him depth of emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think it just very, very, 
very crucially fails to make him likable. Oh, yeah. Because it shies away from the larger-than-life parts of it while not having him react appropriately to the dramatic and traumatic parts of it. And then... Like it just fe- it feels like they made Wild Bill Hickok into a whiny little baby. Yeah, and then he dies. There was a fun scene where he is absolutely blitzed on opium, and David Arquette comes to kill him. And then the dude who works at the opium house fully just does a little bit of a leather face on him on on David <laughs> <Yeah>. Arquette. <laughs> Just just straight up, I thought he was dead because he did get multiple hammer blows to the head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, he was fine. Um, here's what I think the, the big gang of special guys was doing. What were they doing? That, that night. These men work for the time agency. Oh. So... Are- are you positing if I'm if I'm following this this little Wazer style thread of sweater that okay. we're unraveling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is Wild Bill traveling through time, killing people at random, and then complaining about his gambling debts? It's worse. Is he killing people to get rid of his gambling debts? It's not the life he is taking from the world that is the problem. It's the life he's going to bring into the world. The time agency agents interrupt him mid-sex. Right. I think that in the prime timeline, that produces a child, and eventually that lineage produces some sort of evil emperor or something that upsets the balance of power in the universe. So Someone they come... who... Like, like, maybe this person develops a cure for herpes, let's say. Uh-huh. And then uses that to force everyone to get vaccinated to cure all disease. Yeah. And the time agency is going back in time to prevent the cure of all disease because disease still needs to happen. Yeah, for capitalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, um, they, the reason they just like hold him hostage for the night is they've calculated that only this will only be the, the future if conception happens specifically that night so they show up to make sure it okay doesn't so they're happen. they're holding him just long enough for his sperm to cycle yeah i see the problem is they weren't successful because they didn't account for the fact that he suffers from incredibly chump syndrome premature ejaculation yes so by the time they showed up it was too late and i there are times <laughs> when it can be pretty hot for someone to come quickly. Yeah. Um, but this is not one of those times. No, no, it's really... I mean, like, it's good because it does mean in the future that all disease will be cured and capitalism yes. will fall. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I feel, feel bad for Calamity Jane, for sure. Calamity Jane is just a very weird historical figure because, like, there's a relatively strong chance that um, she may have just been like a gay dude, <laughs> not like an like an AFAB gay dude. Huh. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I I know absolutely zero facts, but I'll I'll allow it because like 
her whole life was trying to be one of the guys. Yeah. But also, she still claimed to have been married to Wild Bill. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, like, there's, like, there's a strong chance that just the disconnect between her assigned sex at birth and the way she identified was something kept very, very secret, because, like, that wasn't a thing that people did all that often. Like, yeah, there were some people, Dr. James Barry, for example, who did transition and live life fully as men, but, like, it wasn't that common. Yeah, huh. I want to see that movie. More yeah. Than, more than this one. I'm sure we could... I, I do also want to be clear, though, Calamity Jane, not a very good person. Oh, that... Yeah. But didn't... that goes hand in hand with the Old West. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of was... Uh, that went around. Yeah. There... So, yeah. Basically, let's... <laughs> It, this movie was it. It just wasn't good. No, it was just sort of disjointed and didn't really and have like, a plot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like no one's no one's life has a plot, but like yeah. not everyone's life gets made into a movie. Yeah, and if you uh, and especially if you're already like fictionalizing a lot of the shit. Maybe, like, just go one step further and give it a bit of a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, here's the thing. Why did they make him shoot Bill with a Derringer? Mm. Uh... This is just from, 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 the, from the gun pervert perspective here. Yeah. Like, real life, real history... Wild Bill Hickok was killed by a forty-five. Um, why ma- would you change the gun? Why would you? Why would you change the gun? The gun is an important part of the story. Um. Okay. So, I know what happened. Uh, they were originally going to do that, but in the scene where he is tying it to his arm, he's too much of a weird little guy, and it 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 was it just looked weird on him. But he didn't. You don't need to tie it to your arm. That was in the script. You just. Though. It's uh, sure. It's in the <laughs> script. Uh, but it's. We're literally talking about unincorporated Dakota territory in the fucking 1870s. Nobody stopped you from walking around with a fucking revolver on your hip. You didn't need a disguised gun like that unless you were intentionally like. But he knew that Wild Bill was going to take his weapons, so he had to have a secret second weapon to do the murder with. Yeah, except that in real life, he just shot him from behind because his back was to the door. Yeah, well, like, um, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like anything particularly special. It was just he got shot in the back of the head. I can make no excuses for this movie. (laughs) Nor should you. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, listeners. This is Kat with this week's mid-roll announcements. Thanks for sticking with us after our week off. Kara was on vacation, and I fully forgot to plan something else for that week. I'm going to keep our mid-roll short this week because I don't have a ton to talk about. But if you do want to check something out, you should go listen to the first two episodes of Disaster Lesbian's Guide to the Apocalypse over on the Chicks with Dice feed. It's a really good show, and I am very excited for how it starts to evolve as we get further into the story. 
If you'd like to interact with Kira and me on social media, you can follow me on Tumblr at zafdacat.tumblr.com and Kira on her Tumblr, sapphire-mess.tumblr.com. Or you can follow us on Blue Sky. Kira is Sapphire, and I'm, as always, Zafdicat. If you'd like to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, you can tell someone about the show. We thrive on word of mouth, and our goofy brand of weird is the perfect thing to recommend to your friends, your polycule, your found family, your biological family, or the audience at your Wild West review show. You could also be our favorite people in the world and leave a review for the show on the podcatcher of your choice. We're fans of good pods for their really neat shareability features, but whatever you prefer works for us. If you do leave a review, let us know via Tumblr message and you'll get a shout out on the show. Thirdly, we'd be so grateful if you were to support us on Patreon. We make this show because we love it, not because of the money, but a little support from you goes a really long way for us. So please do consider that support. No dollar amount is too small. That's all for the mid-roll. I'll let past me and Kira get back to talking about literally anything other than Wild Bill. Uh, Cue the VCR sound. You're in for at least 15 minutes of me talking about fighting games. They... They did a bad job. <laughs> they did a they did a real bad job. This was a stinker of a movie. <laughs> I was and again, I was hopeful. It was reflected in the box office. Hey, not certainly not reflected in the Amazon customer reviews. Well, let's also consider the fact that Amazon customers in general don't yeah, you know, it's like that old George Carlin bit where Think about how dumb the average person is. <laughs> Half of people are stupider than that. Yeah, <laughs> and all of them review things on Amazon. Yeah, like, it's doing free labor for Amazon.com. I don't know that I would consider people who leave Amazon reviews to be all that trustworthy. Yeah, that's fair. You know, if we were looking at letterboxed reviews, maybe. In fact, why haven't we looked at letterboxed reviews? <laughs> that's a- they're too coherent, probably. <laughs> that makes sense. We do want funny ones. We, yeah, because we're not going for, like, good reviews. I just... Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, speaking of coherency, though, do you yeah. want to find out what Let's this movie's about? Do it. Okay. At Wild Bill Hickok's funeral, his friend Charlie Prince recalls Hickok's final days in Deadwood. Calamity Jane mourns him especially. In a flashback... Bill and his friend, California Joe, come upon an indigenous burial structure with a lone warrior sitting atop it. Joe, who speaks the warrior's language, says that the warrior wishes to kill Bill in order to correct his streak of misfortunes. Despite Joe's warning that killing killing people in a religious frame of mind is bad luck, Bill shoots the man dead. Flashbacks show Bill, a then a deputy U.S. marshal, killing seven men in a saloon fight for knocking his hat off before gunning down a group of soldiers after one purposefully crushes his hat. While breaking up a riot, Bill gets too worked up and accidentally shoots a fellow lawman. He then retires from law and works as an actor and trick shooter in Buffalo Bill's Wild West Review. He eventually leaves the show after a medical examination uncovers symptoms of glaucoma, which will eventually leave him blind and unable to shoot properly. Eventually winding up in Cheyenne, a man named Will Plummer, who Bill crippled years earlier after killing his brother, calls him out. To, quote, even the odds, Bill has some men tie him to a chair and carry him into the street. After Plummer refuses to back down, Bill outdraws and kills him. 
Bill and Charlie travel to Deadwood where he's greeted with fanfare. He reunites with Jane and they go into a saloon. There, a young drifter named Jack McCall declares that he will be the man to kill Hickok. Jane and Bill's best friends berate him and throw him into the street. (laughs) Joe then begins telling an exaggerated tale of Bill's past exploits. Bill grows upset and leaves the saloon to go to an opium den. Um, After smoking, Bill has a disturbing dream about a time when he and Joe were threatened by indigenous people after being caught shooting the tribe's buffalo. A woman who works at the den tells a local prostitute, Lertaline, about how often Bill visits to use opium, and she shares this information with Jack. Meanwhile, Bill and Jane share a bath and argue because Bill will not explain why he's distant and acting unusually. The next day, a mob brings Jack to Bill. Jack tells Bill he aims to kill him because Bill mistreated his mother, Susanna Moore. Despite Charlie trying to apologize for Bill and the mob harassing him, Jack does not relent. That night, Jack is approached by other men who want Bill dead, and he agrees to hire them. Bill goes back to the den and reminisces about the night he met Susanna. It's revealed that when he left town for six months, Susanna married another man who robbed Bill of his most prized possession, his gold pocket watch. Bill kills the man in self-defense, but Susanna is distraught and a young Jack witnesses the killing. Jack sneaks into the den to ambush Bill while he's incapacitated, but the den owner attacks Jack and takes him away. This is Mr. Hammerman. Yes. Jack and his posse agree on a new plan as Bill continues to bemoan his bad luck. That night, he returns to the saloon, which is empty because of a gold vein discovered nearby. Everyone left to set their claims. Jane walks in, and the two begin having sex. Jack and his posse enter the saloon and apprehend Jane, Bill, Joe, and Charlie. Jack delays killing Bill because he isn't sure how he wants to do it. Bill has one final remembrance of visiting Susanna in a mental hospital who, despite his apologies, refuses his help. Jack offers to let Bill kill himself with the gun loaded with one bullet, but deliberately takes the last bullet out so Bill will be humiliated when he tries to shoot him. Regardless, Jack claims he's already killed Bill in his heart, and the posse leaves after Charlie intervenes. Jane retrieves Bill's guns, and he ambushes the posse as they saddle their horses, killing everyone except Jack. He tells Jack he's sparing him out of respect for his mother. Jack asks if he can have one last drink before leaving town, and they return to the saloon. In the bar, Joe resumes telling stories of Bill's antics. Jack pulls a hidden derringer from his sleeve, gathers his nerve, and shoots Bill in the back of the head. Back at his funeral, Charlie says the whole town attended the funeral, and that he was honored to be Bill's friend. End of movie. Uh, I mean, yeah, that was, that was it. Yep. That's what yep. we watched for sure. Now, um, let's talk about critical response. Okay. What, um, what, what do you think this film's approval rating is on Rotten Tomatoes? I will allow you to guess in groups of 10%. So like. 32%. Zero to ten. You're not far. It is 44%. That's better than I was expecting. Based on 27 reviews with an average of 5.5 out of 10. Okay. The website's critical consensus reads, Crowded with talent on either side of the camera, Wild Bill shoots itself in the foot with the surprisingly muddy take on the story of the titular folk hero. Roger Ebert gave it two out of two stars out of four, criticizing the pacing and plot. Mm, you think? He recognized the film's yeah. He recognized the film's ambition, aiming for elegy and poetry in its final act, but ultimately described it as flawed writing. We can see where it's headed, although it doesn't get there. <laughs> Brutal and true. <laughs> yes, 
Um, Completely produced on a budget of $30 million, it took in just over $2 million in the box office. <laughs> Woof. Impressive. Impressive. Yep. So that is what we have learned here today about Wild Bill. Wild Bill. Do you want to hear some reviews? I got a, yeah, I got let's a, go. a decent crop. Okay. I do too. I got it uh, as a birthday gift from Erica. <laughs> Uh, uh, Mark W. Stogbauer. <laughs> Stonebauer? Stogbauer. Stogbauer. Yes. Gives this, he gives this movie one star and says, it would be nice if the read the number on the package PS eBay is looking better all the time because I have a white door and an entryway. <laughs> I, hmm. <laughs> Is this What's... about, is this a review of the actual delivery? Maybe. It's gotta be. It's got, yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely a review of Amazon and not of the movie, for sure. <clears throat> uh, next is the review that I've included just for your, your own personal pleasure. Nicholas Tan gives it one star, titles the review one star, and says, Absolute garbage, inaccurate accounts, terrible miscasting, come on Jeff Bridges. You had me at come on Jeff Bridges. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We've done it. Thank you to Harris Whittles of Blessed <laughs> Memory for that delightful joke that we have now used three times so on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, <clears throat> Harvey Mayhill gives us one star and titles the review Waste of Time and says, Not much storyline. Interesting, but boring. Interesting, but boring feels pretty apt. <laughs> um, Walter Slezak says, oh, gives it one star and titles the review Waste of Time. And the review reads, This movie is as much about Wild Bill as the Blues Brothers is. Waste. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> really good. Uh, uh, MS Hills gives it three stars and titles the review accurate, don't know, but Bridges is great. And it reads Unlike other reviewers, I can't vouch for the historical accuracy of this film. What I can say, however, is that I thoroughly enjoyed Bridges' portrayal of the rough-and-tumble Wild Bill. I lost the sense that I was watching an actor at work behind the mustache, twin pistols, and gruff mannerisms that Bridges brings to the character. I found the central conflict of a very tough and manly man coming to terms with his own legacy poignant and interesting. I recommend giving it a look-see, and I plan on buying it when it comes out on DVD. When was this review written? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to say 2010. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kat. <laughs> December 8th, 1999. This is a pre-millennium <laughs> yes. Amazon review. I didn't even know Amazon existed then. This might be one of the oldest reviews on Amazon. Yes. We found a genuine historical artifact here. Like, when did Amazon... Because it was, it was Kadabra from 1994 to 1995, and then it became Amazon. It went public in 1997, and it started selling music and movies 
1998. God damn. So this is probably one of the earliest <laughs> Amazon movie reviews. I'm honored to feature it on our podcast. I can't wait for this guy to get this movie on DVD. Yeah. Uh, I hope I hope that he got the DVD and that it brought him a ton of joy. I hope. I hope. Seems to really like Jeff Bridges, so... I mean, like, I also really like Jeff Bridges. I think he's good in a lot of things. It's just this was not one of them. Yeah, no. Uh, Cody gives it four stars and titles the review, Good Acting. And the review reads, You never touch another man's hat. Remember that. Blah, 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 blah. Sam shot short cars, old face, hammer fist jerk. Moral of the story is (laughs) don't touch another man's hat. I think that's actually accurate. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Amazon customer gives it four stars and writes, Dear Amazon, don't bother me with this crap in my inbox. No, I mean, you know, don't bother me with this crap in my inbox is an accurate thing to say to Amazon. Mm -hmm. There is, however, an unsubscribe button in every email. Yes. Uh, Jay Radaj gives it five stars and and titles the review, I enjoyed it. And it reads... Was this a historically accurate epic presentation? Not a chance. No. Was David Arquette a freak like always? Do you really have to ask? But it was still a cool (laughs) movie. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's fair. Uh, The next one is another mystery I want us to solve together. Belinda gives it five stars and titles it Great Movie and says, My husband is in this movie, so of course I love it. Who do you think her husband was. You said this woman's name was Belinda? Yes. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, now, um, (laughs) I gotta go to the movie again on Wikipedia. Um, let's look at this cast here. Um, I want to say her husband might have been Keith Carradine. Could be. Do you know? No, absolutely no idea. Oh, I thought this was a <laughs> no, trivia this is a mystery that I wanted us to solve. <laughs> okay, so it's not Keith Carradine. Okay. Um It's not Bruce Dern. It's, no, not him. Um There's a strong chance that this might just be the wife of an extra. Oh, <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, realistically, yeah. You're, realistically. I mean, yeah, definitely, for sure. A, a named character probably isn't going to have their wife leave Amazon reviews of their movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. I have th- three more reviews. Good God. <laughs> They're good ones, though. Okay. <clears throat> Israel Drazen, who is a Vine voice, by the way, gives it five stars and titles... A Vine voice? A a Vine voice. Yes. Okay. Um, Titles review, lots of killing in this well-acted film. And it reads, Wild Bill is a well-acted wild film about Wild Bill Hickok, which may not be factual, but it is fun to watch. It is about the Wild West in the late 1800s when streets were very wet mud and people had to walk on planks when there were many murders because killings ended disagreements or, for Hickok, it satisfied his desire that no man must touch his hat, God forbid. 
Hickok is portrayed as a man with pain from an eye problem, which he quieted with alcohol, cocaine, card playing, and killing. He is unable to settle down with a woman, not- It wasn't cocaine, though. It was opium. (laughs) Not even Calamity Jane, who is beautiful, who killed two men, who begs him to love her as she loves him. He is unable to forget a woman he loved before. Yeah, it's a tragedy about how um, Wild Bill was horny, but only for one woman. Yeah, just very specifically horny. Um, uh, Amazon customer gives it five stars. Titles review, great storyline and acting, want more. And the review reads... (laughs) Rob Lowe. Does he want like a wild? Does he want like a wild build too? <laughs> wild build two, get wilder. A weekend at Wild Bills. <laughs> um, this review reads: um, <clears throat> Rob Lowe and his partner in the episodes are great. We enjoy the storylines. Very disappointed Wild Bill does not continue into many more episodes. We have watched one episode a night, and tonight is the last episode. We would like Wild Bill to continue. Don't don't discontinue. It grows on you. I think they reviewed something else. (laughs) (laughs) What what was Rob Lowe in? A 2019 police procedural called Wild Bill. Fantastic. It is a British television drama that starred Rob Lowe. Amazing. Chief Constable Bill Hickson is a widowed former U.S. police chief who moves from Miami to Boston in Lincolnshire, original Boston, not America Boston, with his 14-year-old daughter Kelsey after being fired from the American police for assaulting a boy who uploaded sexual images of his daughter. Though he makes an immediate impact on his colleagues, none appear to be too pleased to have an American officer around, aside from the eager young trainee, Detective Muriel Yardsley, who informs, sorry, with whom Bill forms an affinity after a rocky initial start. Fascinating. Um, There are six episodes of this series. (laughs) Well, you know, it grows on you. Uh, Last last review. Hawkeye gives us five stars. And titles are review. From the Avengers? From the Avengers, presumably. Or from or from the four oh seven seventh mash. Uh same guy. Um titles review I will have you take that back because <laughs> Benjamin Franklin Pierce is not fucking racist, unlike Clint Barton. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it back. Thank you. <laughs> Wild Bill rides again. Here's another leather slapper that plays up a love affair that never happened between the famous Wild Bill Hickok and Calamity Jane, a gal uglier than a cow patty who dressed like a man. How ugly was she really? Well, one time Bill bent down to pet her dog and discovered it was the hair on her legs. Why, she was so ugly a bandit took off his mask and made her wear it. She was so ugly dog catchers chased her. But forget all that and watch a truly amazing performance by Jeff Bridges as Wild Bill. I feel like this person is maybe... Who did you say wrote this review? Hawkeye. Hawkeye? Hawkeye, yes. Do you think he fucked around with the Time Stone? Oh. No, because then he would have been arrested by the Loki police. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but... 
Sure. This is all MCU bullshit. <laughs> I, the only reason I know about any of this is because I watched Loki. Because A, there was nothing else on during the early stages of the pandemic. And B, I did kind of want to see Owen Wilson. And I did kind of want to see Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston do their little homoerotic dance on the stage. Okay, that's fair. I mean, that's good motivation. And, uh, what's her face? Um, Tara Strong was in it. I watched it for Tara Strong. I, I mean... Tara Strong, voice of uh, Bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls, among other things. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Twilight Sparkle in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. <laughs> um, voice of Arizona in Them's Fight in Herds, the My Little Pony fighting game. Hey, Kat. Kid, did you know about Them's Fight in Herds? Hey, Kat. Because it's a really fucking good fighter. Hey, Kat, do you know what this episode is about now? My Little Pony fighting game? Yes. Okay, so let's talk meta, because it's like a relatively low cast fighter, so everyone has their individual role in, like, meta. Okay. Right, you have, like, you have your, like, standard Shoto, which is, like, more or less Arizona, the cow voiced by Tara Strong. You have, like, a rushdown character who's a fire dragon. Really cool. There's a zoner who is a fancy deer who uses ice magic. Um, There is a charge character who is a zany, whimsical alpaca. I promise this game rules. It is a very hard sell, but it is one of my favorite fighting games. Okay. And it's a four-button fighter, so you don't have to, like, constantly be reaching across your fight stick because you have tiny little baby hands like me. <laughs> I don't even have a fight stick. Um, you probably don't play enough fighting games I'm... to warrant one. Yeah, I play none of them. There's... Okay, here's the thing. The, the, the time I use my fight stick the most is when I'm playing Windjammers. I... I want so badly to to like enjoy fighting games, but I I just don't. Did you do you, do you enjoy like Souls likes? Yeah, and I really like uh Super Smash Brothers. Okay, so that's like more of a multiplayer arena fighter. You're still enjoying fighting <laughs> games if you play Smash Bros. Yeah, my I think my the the type of fighting game that I don't enjoy is the type with like combo inputs if i have to do a fucking quarter circle i'm just not going to okay so here's the thing uh there is a style of controller that is that takes away the joystick and is all buttons yeah i've seen those and i still and quarter circles are so much easier on that i still don't know if i could even uh Pull that off. I, I just, I, I can't hit buttons fast enough when I have to put in, like, eight goddamn buttons to do a move. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to do eight buttons. I have played There's... games where you fucking do. Okay, well, the fucking SNK games don't count because those are for insane people. <laughs> I played, like, whatever, like, DC fighting game came out in, like, 2017 or something. Are you talking about, um, like, the Injustice games? Yeah. I fucking hate those. Those are miserable. Those are the worst fighting games I've ever played. (laughs) 
Um, yeah. They, they, the inputs are so fucking persnickety. It's like, it's just, it's not for me. Yeah, let me just I, like you, quarter circle back A, B, C, A, B, quarter circle forward B, C for a move. That really does sound like you played an SNK game, though. <clears throat> I like in Super Smash Brothers where you press a direction and a button and you get a move that goes that direction, generally. I don't have to, okay, like, so... memorize movesets for each character. You, you can just kind of play it. There is... that. That's fair. That... that I get that. Um... I think the part of me that likes fighting games is the same part of me that liked fencing because it's very similar. Fair. Um, now, there's. Are you familiar with numpad notation when it comes to fighting games? Probably not, not at all. Okay, so one of the things when you're writing out move strings is that you generally give the inputs in number pad notation. So if you look at like a number pad, right? Mm hmm. It usually has, like, the little arrow keys on it, yeah. too. <clears throat> yeah. So using those arrow keys to orient yourself. Two is a di directly down input. One is a down back input. Three is a down forward. Six is a forward. Four is a back. And so on and so forth. Okay. So there's, um, there's some really fucky pretzel inputs in SNK games. Mm-hmm. Like um, Geese's Geese Howard's Raging Storm, which is a one six three two one four three punch. No, so you go no, no, you, <laughs> you don't. Go, you go down, back, forward, <laughs> down, forward, down, back, down, back. No, down, forward. No, you, no, you don't do that. <laughs> and then you no, hit you, punch. That's that's actually not physically possible to execute on the time scale that fighting games occur at. It really, it's 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 kind of fucking insane. <laughs> um, there's also there's there's some some fighting games you have to do five full circles and then a punch <laughs> no! to get an input no you can't do that there's a guy running at me i can't just take the time to flail wildly on my controller and then hit a button i need to go <laughs> sideways in b and then it punches him <laughs> so this, this, this one input quarter circle <laughs> Throw, left, uh, forward, back, up, down, throw, diagonal, up, diagonal, down, back, diagonal, up, back, diagonal, down, forward, throw again, and then you do your thing. Riced alive. No. What? Uh, like, no, you can't do that. Game developers. Why? There's no reason. There's no reason. You could do better. Have you heard of, okay, like, but anything? Have you seen Beowulf from Skullgirls? Mm, no. So he's a professional wrestler. Mm -hmm. And one of, his, one of his character abilities is that he either has or throws a chair at someone, and his moves are different depending on whether or not he has his chair. Uh-huh. But he has a taunt that builds up his secondary mechanic, which is called hype, where you have to do light punch, medium punch, 
input forward, light kick, medium kick, and then he goes, and you get full charge of your hype level. Mm. <laughs> you have a, you have a I'm so mad. My Skullgirls main is a uh, is a ancient Egyptian woman possessed by a skeleton god, and the skeleton god comes out of her body at certain points, and then she collapses into a pool of blood. Incredible! And you play as the invincible skeleton. I love that. I do. Skullgirls is fun. There's a lot of. Again, I still think if you're gonna get one, you should get them's fighting herds. Okay. Because all of the characters are adorable, and it is one of two games that I own where it was originally designed as a My Little Pony Friendship is Magic game, and then they had to redesign the characters because they got sued. (laughs) I'm too stupid to play fighting games. So am I, but that doesn't stop me. (laughs) I, I just can't remember any combos. Uh, again, same. But that doesn't stop me. Fair. Okay, we have talked about fighting games for at least 15 minutes. Okay, we should probably, we should probably end, end the episode. episode. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for listening. For quarter circling. <laughs> I absolutely did not. Um, I Did I ever tell you about the idea I had for a fighting game podcast where we interviewed queer and trans people from the fighting game community called Quarter Circle Heart? (laughs) Uh, no, but that does sound pretty good. Yeah. I'd listen. Oh, okay. Um, one more time. Thanks for listening. We sure didn't. Bye. 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 Unsound Theories is made by Danger Square Productions. You can follow us on Tumblr at Danger Square Media, or follow Kat and Kira on their respective Tumblrs at ZaftiCat, that's Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T, and Sapphire-Mess. The best ways to support what we do are leaving five-star reviews on the podcatcher of your choice, or telling a friend about the show. If you'd like to support us monetarily to help us keep the lights on, you can visit dangersquare.ca, where you'll find links to our Patreon. The music used in this episode is Dance on All the Cell Phones by Chris Postel of Sounds Like an Earful. Visit soundslikeanearful.com to hear more of Chris's tracks. Until next time, thanks for listening, because we sure didn't. <laughs>